lot of what we looked at here in Romans chapter 12 has been from the perspective of the person being instructed. As we've read through, you, you can take that God is speaking to you and instructing you in many different ways. But this morning, I want us to uh, finish off this chapter by, by hearing it from the perspective of a neighbor, of someone who has been instructed, of a recipient of someone who's obeyed this passage. If you as a Christian are obeying Romans chapter 12, you're living this way by God's grace, other people will benefit. So I want us to hear from the other person's perspective what it's like to have God pour out mercy through His children. Because He does it to you and He does it to me when He, by His grace, enables this sort of fruit in our lives. I want you to see it from your neighbor's perspective. I want you to feel it because you are also a neighbor to someone who would be transformed by God in this way. And so, when the passage begins by talking about the mercies of God, I want you to hear the mercies of God towards you through His children. Let's hear God's Word. I'm going to read the chapter in its entirety. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God... To present yourself as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith If service in our serving, to the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. 
This is God's holy word. As you read that passage and you consider a person who is bearing this sort of life in fruit, imagine being their neighbor. Someone that they have interacted with, that they are living amongst. Do you hear the mercies of God toward you through these people? And what's amazing is the chapter begins by appealing to the mercies of God. By the mercies of God, as you recognize the mercies of God, as you understand the mercies of God, live this way. The mercies of God are not just in Romans 1 through 11. They are, and they are beautiful. To see that God would so see us as who we are, broken, but yet make a way of salvation through His own Son. That He would suffer and die in our place so that we would no longer face the consequence of our sin, which is death and eternal separation from God, but instead we would be justified by the one who is just. That's what we have, and the mercy that God has towards us is immeasurable. But here you even see that even in the practical day in and day out, through believers, God is extending mercy to you and to me. Practical ways that if His children bear this fruit in sanctification, you will experience God's kindness. You will. Now, whether you're that person who has not yet come to faith in Christ, or you're the person who sings, I surrender all, each person, when we experience the kindness of God, is meant to do one thing that the Scripture tells us. When you experience God's kindness, it is meant to lead you to repentance. To repentance. To to turning from your way of living and turn to a godly way of living. To turn from trusting in yourself to turn trusting in Jesus. So whether a person has not yet believed in Jesus, that initial repentance is, God, I have lived for myself, and I am my own God, and I repent. I'm no longer my own God. You alone are my God. That's the initial repentance that if you are a believer, you have all experienced at step one. But then beyond that, we are people who are bearing fruit and keeping with repentance, uh, Jesus has said, that should be of the Pharisees, should be of us, is that we Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. That is, as we continue to experience the kindness of God, we are turning from ways of living that are not in step with who He is or how He might have us to live. We repent. We turn daily. There, 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 I don't know if you're anything like me, but there are many things every day that I can repent of. But it takes evaluation. If you just get through the day, and I've had seasons like this in my life, I just kind of coast, right? God takes care of me, um, there's not much going on, and, and I don't really pause to think how I've sinned against God every day. Some, some days, I don't know if you're like that, you'll get through the day, and you'll go to bed, and you think, Wait, did, did I sin today? You know you did, because we're all sinners, but can you label it? Can, have you spent time going, this is the way, God, that I've sinned against you? There's so many days where I've gone to bed and gone, I know I sinned, but I can't, I can't identify it. That, that's kind of a dangerous way to live, isn't it? Not that if you go to sleep and you die in your sleep, you're going to be judged for eternity. You're not. God saves us and He's, he's rescued us for all of eternity. But God's kindness is meant to lead us to turn away from a sinful way of life. So if we just get used to the fact of not repenting, of not naming the sins, of not coming to God and say, I have sinned against you in this way, we get in a pattern of not repenting, we're in trouble. 
We don't, then we won't recognize the, the sin in our lives, and then we won't recognize even the temptation in our life to avoid sin. Repentance is supposed to be a daily activity of believers because God is kind to us daily. And His kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. His kindness is meant to rescue us from our sin and from ourselves. And we, we want to ask God then, as, he's, as we're repenting of turning away from whatever He shows us, we want to say, God, not only rescue me, but reuse me. Use me however you choose. And that's how Romans chapter 12 begins. By the mercies of God, I appeal to you. If you know God's mercy, if you've experienced God's kindness, then present yourself. Offer yourself up to God. Be a blank check. God, whatever you want. God, whatever it takes. Use me. Transform me. Renew me. And then this whole chapter shows you practical ways that you could be used by God. If you do offer yourself up. If you are a blank check. It mentions in here hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. Offer yourself and all that you have. God, do you want to use it for someone else? That will inconvenience me most likely? My home? My car? My money? Whatever it might be. God, it's yours. This is my blank check. Unfortunately, all the, a lot of the time, we, we want to say that we surrender all to God and we sing that song. I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender. But it's, I don't know how true it is. We sing that word. It's kind of like sometimes we sing, you know, uh, I stand or we're sitting. Or uh, I lift these holy hands and we don't lift our hands. Uh, sometimes we sing, I surrender all. We do not mean it. <laughs> we hold back parts of us from God. We say, God, here's my blank check. Well, except for it has a limit. The limit is this, and don't ask for more. But God here is saying, if you've understood His mercies towards you, not just in His saving you and, and giving you grace when you sin, but in practical things that we see here in Romans chapter 12, through other people, when He has shown you hospitality through a person, when, when you have maybe been lowly, when someone has associated with you, because they were a godly person. Or maybe when you needed brotherly affection or you were weeping and someone came along and wept with you. God was kind to you in those moments. And, and so you experience His kindness in so many different ways. If you look at verses, uh, let's take verse 14 and beyond. So if you've persecuted someone, if you have um, and obviously you're not out there stoning people, but you sometimes um, are not kind to people because of something they may say. If you persecute someone, the response of that person, if they are a fruitful Christian, is they're going to bless you. You would experience God's kindness through that. When you should be cursed, it says they would bless you. When you've been rejoicing, you've had people to rejoice with you. Like I've said already, when you were weeping, you've had people to weep with you. That's God's kindness to you. That when you have a disagreement with someone, a godly person is going to aim to live peaceably with you and live in harmony with you. That even though you're singing different notes, you're following the same tune and therefore you can get along because you're following the gospel of Christ. Even though you might sing a different note, it's the same song. Thankful for that. 
rather than everyone working against you all the time because they don't agree with you. No, God has been kind to you in maybe you have an immature understanding of something or just a different understanding of something. And God has been kind to you in, in having people obey harmonious living so that you're not always at odds, so that you're not the only person left in your church because you're the only person you can agree with. God has been gracious that all of us have disagreements and we can worship together because we sing one song. God's been gracious and kind to us in that. He's been kind to us in that other people have not been wise in their own sight and therefore we've been able to have an opinion. God's been kind to us in that. He's been kind to us in verse 17 for that when we have been evil or we have acted sinfully towards someone, that they've not repaid us in kind. That when you have um, spoken harshly to someone, that they have not responded in kind. Or that you've not been spoken harshly to just repetitively by everyone else because that's what you do. That if you were angry with someone that they did not always and continue to respond in anger to you always. God has been kind to you to see this sort of fruit in people's lives for you. Verse 18 says that we're to live peaceably. Well, aren't you thankful that when you have stirred the pot, when you've caused an argument in your marriage, when you have uh, brushed off a sibling or offended a loved one, that there are some of those people who are godly people who have not taken it to heart and who have lived a godly life and still ate a meal with you and still tried to reconcile with you and still tried to make peace and ask for forgiveness. Man, we're so thankful for God's kindness because we are um, in so desperate need of it, especially when it comes to this living peaceably. God has been so kind to us that imagine had you had a hunger need or a thirst need that someone would come and supply. God has been kind. And you see the the practical ways that God meets people's needs. And we've looked at that, how He sees our needs and meets those needs. And so therefore, we as Christians, if we're applying this passage, this is us, then we're to be aware of people's needs. We're to be in people's lives so we might meet their needs because that's extending God's kindness. And we know that kindness is meant to lead to repentance. And it's meant to lead to this life that says, by the mercies of God, I, I ask you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is your spiritual worship. We can only do this when we offer ourselves as a blank check. No cap. It's amazing how we limit God sometimes. But if a person is not, if your neighbor is not, if the person sitting next to you or behind you is not limiting themselves and they're saying, God, yes. Use me in whatever way you wish. I want this to be a living sacrifice to you, all of me. Then you're a recipient of God's mercy and His kindness to you. If, if as we have gone through this chapter, maybe God has exposed some things in you where you are not bearing much fruit in this area. Maybe it comes to you know, living peaceably with people or living in harmony with brothers or sisters in Christ who disagree with you. That's, that's been the thing that's, that's convicted me. Is oftentimes, I would much prefer to gather and be friends with and converse with and read books about people that I agree with. And sometimes, because of that, I am not very harmonious. And I, I do not do well to love my brother and sister in Christ who I disagree with. I don't do well to love them. It's not saying I hate them. I just don't do well to love them and 
and notice the good things they do. And so I've, I've been convicted of that. And perhaps for you, it's about living peaceably with, with all people. There's people in your life that you've not lived peaceably with. And you need to reconcile so that you can offer them Christ's reconciliation. I don't know what it is that God has spoken to you as we've gone through Romans chapter 12. But there are so many areas that God can be at work in us. I'm glad for that. I'm glad that God would do such a work in us to reveal to us. But he also does that so that our neighbors might benefit. The people next to you might benefit. But so that you might benefit. Perhaps there's someone, even in this congregation, who you're not living in harmony with. And by God's grace, they've been convicted. We are recipients of God's kindness. But what you see is from this whole chapter, there is a flow of thought. There is this fruit that ought to be born in the Christian. All of these things, living living in genuine love and serving the Lord and, and living in harmony, all of such things are fruits of the Christian life. But what you see is it is the fruit of a person who is daily and completely surrendering themselves to God. That's where it starts. Because a person has known the mercy of God, they surrender themselves to God. And because they surrender themselves to God, then you see what flows. There's a flow of the text. Verse 1, you see the mercy of God. And then the surrender. When you have eyes to see that God has been merciful to you, a sinner, you surrender it. You surrender yourself and say, yes, I need Jesus Christ. And then from there, verse 2 tells us that we are then beginning this transformation. That he begins to transform the way we think and the way we act and the way we operate ourselves in this world. He transforms us. Well, how does he do it? By the discerning of his will. The more we read the Bible, the more the Holy Spirit speaks to us and affirms to us what God uh, is pleased by and what he is displeased by. So then he begins to shape this person, a person who has known God's mercy, has sacrificed themselves to God, and now they're being transformed by God to discern his will. That's in verse 2. This person then, now discerning what God thinks and how God operates and wants you to live and please him in this world, verse 3 tells us that this person has a proper view of self. I say to you, Uh, that you should not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. That's the person who has had this faith in Jesus, who Jesus is beginning to transform, is is a true self-evaluation. They do not think too highly of themselves. So therefore, they're able to go back to the beginning, to the mercy of God, when they realize day in and day out that they are not as great as they thought they once were. Then you go to God's mercy and you camp there. You don't camp out in the, in the devastation. You don't look for more laws to follow. You go back to the mercy. You go back to the grace of God. And you surrender and be transformed and discern again His will. And have a, an even clearer understanding of who you are to be. As you have a proper self-thought, you see in verse 3. And now this person is not just an individual. Doing this on their own. Struggling along with a burden. By God's grace, these people are a part of something. He has saved you not just to yourself, but to a people, to a body. That's what you see in verses 3 and 4 and 5. Is this being members of one another. That there is a uniqueness that God has given you in which you are for another person. So, when we think of this bearing fruit that will come... 
you do it not just on your own. You're not just shaped on your own. You are shaped with the body of Christ. You need the hand. And you can't tell them you don't need them. You need the eye if you're a foot. You need the brain. You need the heart if you're a toenail. You need everything. The body is so uh, intricate, but yet it is so many unique cells and unique parts, and you're one of them. So God has called you into that so that you might be transformed. You might be able to better discern the will of God. You might be transformed in your mind by the teaching of the Word and by others who help you to discern it. That's the beauty of the, the body of Christ. Uh, Jeremiah, I love Jeremiah 17.9, which tells us the true condition of our hearts. Your heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Don't trust your heart. Like so many people say, oh, I just followed my heart. I'm just going to trust my heart. I can, I can make these decisions. Um, sure, you can make decisions, but you, obviously you want to make them through the filter of the Word of God. But sometimes even there, your heart is, is a deceiver. So that's why we have other people who also are able to discern the will of God because they have the Spirit of God. And they say, that's off. You're off track. And if you humble yourself before them and enough people, godly people who are able to walk you through the Word of God can show you, then then you're transformed even more into God's own likeness. This person then becomes one, not just of this member of a body of Christ who's able to serve other people, extending God's kindness But then beyond that has the fruit or the marks of the true Christian, which you see in verses 9 through 20. Verses 9 through 20 is just full of this fruit that is welling up in a Christian's life. God has given these these gifts that we see in verses 6 to 8, the spiritual gifts, not for ourselves, but for others. So that as we shape and form and, and encourage one another and equip one another, we might be people who bear this fruit. Verses 9 through 20. This is the fruit of the person who says, uh, Yes, God, I surrender all. But they don't just say it. It's not just words. It is true. And, and here's the interesting thing about saying that. And I, Often I've said that in my life. And, and I've thought about it when I sing that song, I surrender all. It's like, Am I really doing that? And why am I not? I mostly evaluate that I've not surrendered all. But then I have to ask why. It's likely because I'm not being specific enough with God. I'm not being specific. I'm saying, God, I surrender all, you know. Take it all. How about if I said, God, I surrender this hour of my lunch to you. What do you want with this hour? God, I surrender this relationship. I'm meeting with this person today. I surrender it to you. How do you want to use it? What do you want to take place in that time today? God, today's payday. I surrender that to you. That, and and here's the amount. I've got my budget. Here's this extra, which I could spend on a new whatever. But God, I surrender it to you. How do you want to use it? So when we get more specific with our surrendering things to God, then we will start bearing better fruit. That's what I've realized in my own life is as I just generally surrender all to God, I, I end up not surrendering anything. <laughs> I hold on to everything. But if I begin to name things on a daily basis, like, God, I'm meeting with this person today, or I have this time today that I want to use for you, oh man, God could do so much with that sort of surrender. 
So then we can say, show me the scriptures to help me discern what you want me to do with this time. Because he's not just going to speak out of the clouds like, oh God, I have an hour at my lunchtime, what do you want me to do? Nothing? Alright, cool, I guess I'll watch Netflix. Like, God's not going to bellow through the clouds that you need to, you need to. But he is going to speak through his word. And you're going to discern that Netflix was probably a waste of your hour. Here's the thing, God speaks to us. But are we listening? Are we surrendering specifically to Him and saying, okay, God, so what do you say about relationships with unbelievers? Because I'm meeting with Adam today. And I want that to be used for you. I want to surrender that time for you. What, what do you say about my relationship with unbelievers? Well, how am I going to know that? Not just to what my heart says. My heart says just chat. My heart says do what's easy. Talk about the weather. But God says there is eternal things at stake. So God's going to direct that time. If I discern... If I'm transformed by the renewal of my mind, then it might be testing and discern what the will of God is. The Word of God's going to help you do that on a daily basis when you specify what you want to surrender to God. I would encourage you to do that. The time, the people, the money, the stuff. God, what do you want to do with this room in my house? What do you want to do with this extra items I have that I could throw in the garbage? What do you want to do with uh, my yard sale money? What do you want to do with this stuff, God? That he might use you. That he might lead you and he might be glorified in you when you surrender specifically all. Surrender specifically all. And what you begin to see is when you have offered yourself up specifically, is that God will be extending his kindness then through you. And by his grace, you'll be a recipient of that. That someone else would have prayed that day about an opportunity. They were going to have coffee with you. And so they've been praying. You know, I'm going to have coffee with them. Um, God, how are you going to use that time? And then they end up praying just a real encouraging prayer for you. Or they end up um, reading a Bible verse that was encouraging to them that day to you. Whatever it might be, you might be a recipient of God's kindness through this way of life. And so, you ought to think, I want to be that for other people. I want to be an avenue in which God is kind to my brothers and sisters here, to my neighbors, to my family. This chapter is so horizontal. It's really unbelievable. It's really unbelievable how horizontal, how human this chapter is. How much it thinks about just you and other people. It's really quite something. When you think about the main story of the Bible is all about God. Even even Romans is about the gospel of God and about His righteousness. But yet, you see what that bears fruit Here and now. That we're not just space cadets. Living only in eternity with heaven-mindedness. Yes, we think about heaven. We think about what is yet to come. But that transforms the way we live here and now. God has left us in this world. He's not taken us out. He could have. But He's left us here. For what? To to live this way. To, To live horizontally with other people. Expressing the character of God to others. As much as it's horizontal, you to other people, it teaches them about who God is and what He is like. Not only just kind in general, but that He is merciful. But that He surrendered so that we might be saved. He is a God who wants to transform you. He is a God who has a will which is right and perfect and acceptable. He's a God who, who has made you and who has helped you to evaluate who you are. He's a God who's called you not just to singularity, not just to loneliness in your Christian life, but to to a body. He's a God who takes care of you. 
He's a God who takes care of all the practical needs you find in verses 9 through 20. This is a great God that we get to display when we are bearing this fruit through a surrender specifically. This is the God who then the world opposes. The world opposes this kind, merciful, loving God. A God who cares for their needs. The world opposes Him. And you too, once, when you were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, as Colossians 1 says, you oppose Him too. And you, in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in what you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. You followed that. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love in which He has loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. It's through the kindness of God, through the mercy of God, that we are saved from ourselves, saved from our sin. But God being rich in mercy because of his love. And so then here in chapter 12, it's trying to say that if you surrender all specifically to God, that he is going to express that love and that rich mercy to others. That God might use you by his grace for the salvation of others. We don't know who that might be or when that might be. But God can use us and He will use us if we surrender all specifically. God has been so gracious to you. He's been so gracious to me. And here we see He continues to do so through the transforming of other people that He continues to extend kindness to us. Think of a person who even maybe before you believed, walked with you, took you to church, gave you a Bible, said they prayed for you, did pray for you. Think of that person and how valuable they were to you. Maybe you didn't know them. Maybe you'd never thanked them. Maybe you've considered how they have been instrumental in your life. But by God's grace, they have been. He's been kind to you because He's borne fruit in believers and He is doing that. And to be used in your life and in my life. So therefore, we come to this chapter and we see that there is a surrender. That as we understand God's mercies, not just in our salvation, but in our day-to-day living, that we surrender all specifically for His glory in our lives and in the lives of others. Let's pray that we would be that kind of people. Oh God, You are amazing. You are great and You are greatly to be praised. You are holy. You are perfect. You are just. You're all glorious. And God, we have been a people who have lived for ourselves. And even, what's most devastating is we live for ourselves often, even after you have saved us. Even after you have rescued us, we still live for ourselves. So God, we want 
even this morning, even now in this moment. As we've heard of and experienced your kindness, even, even through the fact that we get to gather here this morning, even the fact that we have the Bible that can be opened up and preached, God, that is kindness to us. Let us respond to that kindness with gratitude and a life of offering to you. We don't want to be people who just coast through the day, who are unaware of how we sin against you, our maker. God, we want to be broken. We want to be devastated and grieved by how we sin against you. So God, do that in us. And then we would understand that your mercy is more than we would ever imagine. And the more we realize it, the more we understand your kindness towards us. We want to extend that to others. We want to sacrifice everything we have so that you might be known in all the world. God, we want to live in a way that pleases you. And we thank you that we can, and only through Christ. Thank you that a relationship with Jesus seems so easy to have. That if we just confess our sins, we say we we are sinned against you and we need you. And we believe that you are the Son of God and you were raised from the dead. It's simple. That there our sin is forgiven for eternity. Because all that Christ accomplished, he said, it is finished. God, we thank you for those words. God, we want to live in light of that finished work. By your mercy, for the sake of your glory, and for the good of others. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.